Welcome to You Talks, brought to you by State of You. Hello, everyone. My name is Selena Znaldem. I'm one of the youth board members of State of Youth. And as a global gender equality activist, I am a national gender youth activist for UN women and a member of Global Feminist Coalition for Gender Transformative Education by United Nations Girls Education Initiative and UNICEF. Today, I have the absolute privilege to be with Professor Sonia Livingstone. Sonia is an expert when it comes to children's rights in the dig digital age, and I'm very much looking forward to our conversation where we will be covering many topics from privacy to parental guidance, personal data to digital literacy. Welcome. Thank you so much. Um, brilliant, really brilliant to be here with you. Thank you. Privacy is the last true luxury. To be able to live your life as you choose without having everyone comment on it or know about. These are the words of Valeria Plame, a former CIA official and spy novelist, which I think is very cool. <laughs> I think this quote is a great way to start off our conversation on youth and rights to privacy online. Professor Livingstone, if I may start with the first question. First of all, could you please explain what the right to privacy is? Sure. I mean, the right to privacy is there in all the different human rights instruments that we have in the world, and it's there in the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child, which is really, really important for uh, children and young people. So I guess traditionally it referred to privacy from the state, especially when it's really important in countries where the state can be intrusive or uh, harmful to people getting on with their everyday lives. And we also think a lot about it in relation to um, privacy at home within the family. I know it's really important to children and young people that they can uh, think their own thoughts and have their own communication without parents or adults or teachers kind of seeing everything. So, you know, traditionally we've thought, yes, we want privacy as citizens from the government and we want privacy in our lives. But in this digital age, I think we're really thinking about it in new ways because we have to think about the privacy because our lives are being tracked in so many ways by companies, by advertisers, by businesses. So it gets this kind of new significance now. Definitely, I couldn't agree more. And kind of a follow up question in terms of children and youth, do you think they also have access to that right? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean that you know the 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 right to to privacy is there in um, Convention on the Rights of the Child, as I said. And another right there is that children and young people should be treated according to their quote their evolving capacity, their kind of ability to manage their own lives and gradually become um, more autonomous. So obviously, a baby has you know different kind of rights from an infant or a child or a young person and. And what we want is for everyone's privacy to be respected, but how parents and adults kind of manage that has got to change as the child grows up into an adult and they've got to withdraw and, you know, because it's, we can't, we can't think, we can't be ourselves, we can't, you know, express ourselves and act as, you know, um, as, as, as independent agents if, people are watching the entire time and know everything that's going on. 
such an interesting point of view and such an interesting concept, and we will be definitely diving deeper into that. Um, but before that, I have another question, which is why should we young people be concerned about the right to privacy online? Why is it crucially important and why does it matter? I think there are different ways of answering that question and it's a, and it's a great question. I mean, one answer is uh, children and young people are concerned. And I know it's often said they don't care about their privacy. They, you know, put everything out there online and just say, you know, let them have the data if they want to. In my research, whenever I dig deeper with young people, that that's like a superficial view. And then very quickly people start saying rightly, why should the government know this about me? Why should business know that about me? Why should my parents know? So I, I think people care because I think it's um, the essence of being human is to care about your privacy. But the, the, the other thing I'd say, maybe a second reason is, you know, young people are the are the kind of the canaries in the in the coal mine. Um, we don't know where this is going. This data tracking of everything we do, this monitoring and observing an app to keep tabs on everything that's happening. So we truly don't know what it's going to be like to grow up in a world in which you are always observed and there's always that kind of tracking going on. So I think ju just that incredible uncertainty makes it, you know, your generation's problem. <laughs> Definitely. As a Gen Z, I can agree with that. Um, yes, and you touched a little on uh, the, the topic of personal data, which I think is a great um, point to transition to our next segment, which is about personal data. Um, with regard to protection of that, um, children and adolescents are considered to be a vulnerable group that is particularly susceptible to the consequences of the processing of information uh, concerning them. I would like to dissect what it means with you. So first, can you explain uh, what personal data are and how is personal information collected and what does it mean to process personal data? So I think People are increasingly aware, and I've talked to quite young children about this, as well as, you know, um, teenagers and, and, and older people. Um, I think people are aware now that the apps that they use and the websites they visit and the shopping they do and so on, that, that something is being collected from them. It is actually very hard for all of us to know exactly what, but we kind of know it's already personal and sensitive information because it's our name, it's our address, it's where we live, it's where we are, you know, our location very often. Um, and then there's all the kinds of data that we just give off when we participate, what we say, the comments we leave, you know, the keywords we type into a, a search engine, and then there's what sense is made of it. And this is where it gets a bit contested. So, if you visit some websites or or do some searches that makes me think um, perhaps you are um, some I infer something about your sexuality or your politics uh, or your um, living circumstances. Um, that can all be recorded and it is being recorded by um, governments, by public bodies and especially by businesses. So they and and so so it's a huge amount of data that's you know some of it might be wrong 
Some of it might be um, at, get out of date because young people change over time. Um, and lots of it is really personal. And we don't really know where it's what it's being used for because the organisation that keeps it will then sell it on to other organisations who find new ways of making money and join it together with other data sets and make, you know, further guesses about who you are and on it goes in a way that really we know is happening, but nobody really understands. Yes, 100% definitely. And kind of linked to uh, the points you've made, why are children, if you could please um, elaborate on that, why are children and adolescents vulnerable to the consequences of the processing of information concerning personal data? I think there are two main reasons. So one is the idea of um, data literacy or digital literacy that young people and it might be very young now don't um, don't know or don't understand how companies work, how businesses you know globally trade their data, what that bigger um, process is. So they can't really make informed decisions about what they share. So that's one kind of worry. Um, and then the other is that, you know, it's that you're the, the young people, children of the generation that's being datified from birth, you know, maybe from that first kind of ultrasound photograph or that first record with the, the health system and everything is collected ever since for future unknown purposes. And we can see the development of artificial intelligence is finding ever new ways of making use of that data. So it's also the very unknown long term future, which might be great, but might discriminate, might be unfair, might exclude. Again, it is just such an interesting topic and it is also kind of an unknown topic because everyone has ideas uh, around it, but we don't really know how it works and why these data are collected. So it's so enlightening to um, listen to you. And another topic which I'm very passionate about is because I'm again a Gen Z. Um, there is a heated debate going on for some time now actually on whether parents should monitor their children and their uh, techno technology devices. Uh, parents are supposed to offer appropriate direction and guidance to their children, yes, but nevertheless, as children grow older, their desire for privacy also grows. And as someone who recently turned 20, I believe I'm in a more proper age now to understand, uh, you know, the both sides, uh, not even as a parent, but as an adult, I want to know that my little brother is in a safe space. But I also remember how I was a few years ago taking every involvement as an invasion of my privacy. So yes, uh, balancing the right to privacy of adolescents and the principle of parental guidance can be a difficult exercise for sure. So I wanted to ask you as an expert if you have any comments on that and do you have any tricks for young people to address the topic of their online privacy with their parents? So this is one of my favourite topics and I think I, I find it fascinating and, and concerning because it touches such a raw nerve with people. And as you say, parents feel very strongly that they can't take the risk of not knowing 
and children and young people feel very strongly that they should be able to kind of determine their own boundaries and what's known about them. Um, so I think the first thing to say is this is a great instance of where the child's right to be heard from the convention is really important. I mean, we should start with conversations. We should start by better understanding each other because children, young people maybe need to understand what some of those parental fears are, but parents need to understand children are not always getting up to terrible things and they're not always at risk and they have, you know, they 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 need to, to have their own their own space. I think what the, I think if parents and kids were left to get on with it, things might be much calmer. What what adds to the mix is we have a lot of media headlines saying, you know, be scared about your child. The world is a terrible place and online and offline. Um, and sometimes those fears are, you know, hyped. They go too far because when we look at young people's lives, there's not more risk, not more danger than there was 10 or 20 years ago or 30 years ago for the most part. So it is about whipping up fears. There's also this huge market. And I do think it's an irresponsible market because it's all about playing on parents' fears and saying, well, here's an app. Here you can track your kids. You can know everything they do. And if there's a market, obviously they're doing it for business reasons for, to make a profit, but they present it as if it's um, uh, a way of, you know, helping parents, which it might not be. And then the last thing I worry about is, you know, most parents are great, they're kind, they're helpful, they're doing their best. But some parents and minority parents are worrying, neglectful, even abusive. And once we normalise those tools, once we get used to the idea that parents can just see everything, you know, if you are the child whose sexuality doesn't fit with your parents' expectations or whose politics doesn't fit with your state or whatever, um, or if you're, you know, just the, the kid going through a difficult phase that needs a bit of space, having everything monitored can be destructive. Definitely. It's it's all about the balance and knowing how to do something and how to use that tool, uh, which mm -hmm. can be very tricky and definitely people might uh, need help to address that. But it is such an important topic, especially as you said, the narrative of the media just change everything mm -hmm. and the narrative that is being used right now is quite dangerous for both sides in my opinion mm -hmm. and I think this is a great way to transition to our next segment which is uh, around digital literacy and mm -hmm. since internet and technology has been our in you know our lives since the day we were born as Gen Z and the generations ahead it's going to be even heightened um, I would like to ask you a couple of questions regarding that um, digital literacy. My first question is, how are children supposed to get the necessary knowledge and skills and attitudes when it comes to digital literacy? For example, what to do when the parents don't have the knowledge to educate their children about them? Well, school is really, really crucial. I know around the world, not everyone is in school and schools are under enormous pressure um, and we want schools to you know, teach absolutely everything to kind of support support kids into the future. But um, 
I think I think school is the first place to go because this is one of those areas where parents who went to school, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago, they don't necessarily know the latest technology either. And it's hard for them to keep up too. So I I mean, what what um, the committee, the UN Committee on the Rights of the Child has said is that children should be being taught digital literacy from the first day they go to school from you know whether that's four or seven or whenever they first go and then you need a you need a progression you need something that kind of built so you make it age appropriate obviously you don't teach them all about algorithms on when they're four years old but you do start that conversation so they realize this is something i need to know about and it's also a way of learning isn't it because they'll be learning through using the technology so they've got to understand what it can offer and where its limits are and what its problems might be. So school is crucial. There are some interesting experiments I hear of occasionally where schools give a like a project or a task to the children and the children have to take that to the parents and even the grandparents and teach them. And I think that's such a great idea um, and is a way that the education system can reach out beyond expecting the, the, the child to learn everything. Um, so I think there's some really nice experiments. But what worries me is sometimes schools think, oh, my goodness, we've got to add this to all the other things we do. We'll do it like on a Friday afternoon for one hour and we'll just tell the kids how the escape button works and don't, um, you know, don't give out your personal information and, you know, something really limited so they can kind of tick the box and say, OK, did. We, yeah. we did it. And, and so, you know, I don't think teachers are ever kind of trained wanting to do that, but they're under pressure too. And so digital literacy sometimes isn't the, you know, the language of the digital age that it that it could be. Yes, 100%. And especially with COVID, we definitely witnessed. I was in high school uh, during COVID and mm. my uh, brother was in elementary school, which was, you know, one of the most important years of his education. And we definitely saw how we are, we need to improve especially um, around digital literacy and how it should be incorporated to mm. um, education and school. And one thing is, and uh, this is one of the things you have mentioned as well, we need to educate and train uh, the educators, like the teachers as well, mm. if you want to really make sure that um, it is being integrated, digital literacy is being integrated to uh, school and the curriculums. And it's not just one uh, something like ticking the box, which is very mm. important. Mm. Um, and I wanted to um, ask another kind of a follow up question, uh, which is what are some of the digital skills that are important for children when it comes to their online um, privacy. For example, this can be the ability to change one's privacy settings, to decide which information to share online and which not, and to manage their contacts online. And it will be amazing if uh, you could share um, a couple of examples of good privacy measures if possible. Mm. So, yes, um, I think there's real merit to teaching the privacy settings, the, you know, the reason for needing that kind of knowledge. 
but I, I, I'm a firm believer that people learn better if they kind of really understand what this knowledge is part of, because the actual settings of the different apps, you know, they change them every now and again, and it's, it's kind of not teacher's task to teach you how to use your apps. It's like, what's the bigger picture? And I think young people want to learn that bigger picture, which is about where data goes and what the business interests are and um, how your personal information is the currency of the digital age, is the way that people are making money in the digital age. And so I think if 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 schools could kind of embed the, the, the nuts and bolts of how to protect yourself in a bigger picture, I think young people would understand, learn much more deeply and also be more able to um, resist sometimes or protest or you know ask for something different or make a complaint when something goes wrong because there is this feeling out there isn't there that um, you know no one's listening and no one's going to take any notice of me I'm just you know little me so um, but I think you know collectively young people are a real force to be reckoned with and business is watching that so I would say you know back to your really concrete question about measures um, uh, yes, teach kind of the nuts and bolts of particular functionality, but answer those why questions. And young people, in my experience, are, are full of them. You know, why why do they want my data? Why do they want my old data? What happens to my data? We, we did this wonderful workshop with young people and said, what happens to my data when I die? What happens to my data 10 years on when it's out of date? Why are they still keeping it? Everything's wrong. How do I change it? How do I correct it? So you know, in a way, teachers know, only need to answer those questions that young people ask. Definitely, 100%. And especially um, regarding how young people should really recognize their power is mm. crucially important and is something I'm very passionate about as um, a young activist. Mm -hmm. uh, it's something I always try to talk about because there's no such a thing as small or unnecessary, unrecognizable step no like every step counts and it does matter it matters so much when you're mm. trying to create change mm. every voice every little idea maybe it may mm. seem like a silly idea at first it can change everything it can it really can disrupt and change the game which is so important uh to recognize and before concluding this wonderful conversation which i feel very inspired of. I wanted to ask you uh, what are some of the projects you're working on at the moment? Hmm. Well, uh, I am working on one project about, um, so I should say that I'm a researcher, I'm a psychologist originally, and uh, I spend a lot of my time now working with technologists and lawyers to kind of think about children's rights, digital technology, how do, how do kids feel within that? So I'm doing one project right now on education technology, because I think um, there's a lot of growing attention to the apps that people use for their leisure, for their communication. But in schools, um, there's more and more technology and that's also collecting data. And that's also part of that kind of commercial um ecosystem that we don't understand so i'm trying to work out what should what, what should be done there um and i've just finished a project which was really interesting which was about the very first thing you said to me which is about whether young people are vulnerable and we decided to work with young people who um have experienced mental health difficulties 
and ask them what digital literacy they've gained, what, what have they learned about the internet? So can they, for example, find their way to something helpful? Can they, um, it's really important that they should be able to tell the difference between um, conspiracy theories or people trying to kind of, you know, twist their mind and tell them something dangerous and, and, and you know, find things that are kind of healthy and positive. Um, and it was a really brilliant, and I, I'm just so grateful to the young people who talked to me for that. And um, they are learning so much. They're learning so much about algorithms, um, how to play and game the algorithm to make it work better for them and not just give them lots of dark stuff. But, you know, they, there's some support and help that they need. And some of those services they use could be better designed, you know, to to provide them with a better balance of content and support. Yes, exactly. And um, from my experience, because all of my cousins are younger than me and I have a little mm -hmm. brother who is 11 years old, um, it is just amazing to see how many tools they use and how much they use to really, you know, change something, do something from scratch. For instance, my brother is very much into coding and mm -hmm. video gaming and how to, how those algorithms work. And it can be kind of tricky to make sure that, again, he's doing it in a safe um, and trustful environment. But it's, it is something he's very incredibly passionate about. And he's mm -hmm. 11, but uh, talks about how he wants to do um, in college, uh, which is just so mind blowing to me because it's something I don't necessarily understand. But um, I think this is a great example to see how um, as the generation, like next generations come and they grow up, they're literally born into this world and they want to do something around it. And it's again, like such an incredible and just a massive topic with so many layers and every layer yeah. is, is so interconnected. So thank you so yeah. much, Professor Livingstone. Thank you very much for joining us and for this fruitful conversation discussion. And it was an absolute honor again to hear your expertise and insights. Thank, thank you so much. It was fun. We could talk forever, but uh, that was that was a real pleasure. So great to be thank with you. you. Thank you and a massive thank you to all of our listeners. I hope you have enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Um, and yes, again, thank you. Uh, I'm Selena Znaldum and this is Professor Livingstone. Thank you and until next time, goodbye.